Adam Cravens, and Jane Ellen watch more movies each month than most people do in a year. Parental Guidance suggested reviews new movies in theaters with no spoilers promise. These film nerds know their stuff. Hello and welcome to Parental Guidance Suggested. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. And since the theaters are closed... It's an interesting pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, I just figured I'd switch things up a Thank bit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're misreading that phonetic spelling of that word. Closed. Uh, we're going to be talking about, well, as we have been, movies that if you haven't seen, you should, or movies that are so good we could talk about it for days. Classics, uh, significant films. Eventually yes. we're going to get to films that we just detest. But what yeah. are, they're, 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 they're films Mars that attacks. can... Yeah. Um, they can they can warrant discussion at yes. a at a bare minimum. And disclaimer: this film that we're about to do warrants discussion, even by non super geeky Trek fans. It's that good. And and for for those of you out there, not not every Trek fan is a super geek. No, like, some just, are just mildly some are just Trek casual. Fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the 1982 film Star Trek Two. Wrath of Khan! <laughs> oh my! Like it? I I can think of very few instances where a sequel outpaces its predecessor so far. Oh yeah. So original series had done its three years. It was off, and then the fans are you, all into it. And you had you had a brief revival mm-hmm. with the animated series. Um, but for the most part, like Star Trek, more or less, people thought Star Trek was kind of done. over. And then they they did a movie, and I wasn't a little kid when the movie came out, but I remember being savvy enough about movies to know that it sucked. But I liked the parts of the original cast. I liked their interplay, and if I could just see all that smooshed together, like. 15 minutes of stuff. And you cut out the yeah. 17 hours of the exterior shots of the Enterprise. <laughs> Which, by the way, is hilarious Oh, now. my goodness. There's just <sighs> so... There's a reason why that movie is jokingly referred to as the motionless picture. Yeah. yeah. So I loved seeing the characters again. The movie was ridiculous. It just, was about V'ger, which is actually Voyager. It's just the whole. Just it, it was awful. Like it. There's very little that I like about that that film. Besides and in the retrospect, fact, uh, Persis Cambada, the bald chick, is now deceased, and Stephen Collins apparently a pedophile. Oh wow, yeah, that didn't see that. Man, did I not see that one coming? Mm-mm. Couldn't have. Couldn't have called that. No, like just. So there are downsides to it. Truth. And yet, we're fortunate that they said, okay, let's give it another shot. Well, the, the catch about it was, like, it, the Star Trek, the motion picture, especially if you adjust for inflation, is one of the most expensive movies ever made. Like, when it was made in 78, it was 70, it 78 or 79, it was one of the most expensive movies Paramount had ever produced. It was around, like, $40 million, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but... If you keep in mind that in 1977, the original Star yeah, 79 Wars... 79 was when it came out. The original Star Wars was shot for around, I believe, $11 million. It's two hours and 25 minutes long. Oh, and At least two hours of it are exterior it, shots of the Enterprise. It's, a, it's about two hours too long. Like, mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't even be the length of a regular episode. <laughs> but it's still... Oh, it was made for $35 million 
And here, here's why. It was made for $35 million. It made $139 million. Like, which, like, like I said, that's a lot of money. And I think they recognized that there was value in the brand, but they were like, we shouldn't spend $35 million on it again. What if we shoot it for like $10 million or mm-hmm. $8 million and it still makes one hundred and forty, Or maybe it doesn't make $140 million, but we didn't spend $35 million on it. Exactly. So three years later, we get Wrath of Khan. And what they did was they wanted to keep the original series people. Again, we didn't call it original series because there were no other Star Trek series. Well, the the cartoon. Well, I mean, you had the cartoon, and at one point the motion picture was going to be a sequel series. But at this point, like, TNG doesn't exist. It was just called Star Trek. Yeah. Just Star Trek. And so the Star Trek fans, like, someone got the bright idea, and this was a really excellent idea. Let's take one of the stories from the original series and let's move on with that. And so the story like they what, did. What happens next? Yeah, the is story they did was, is brilliant. First of all, it had Ricardo Montalban, who is. <laughs> that really, honest to goodness, that had to be the thing. Like, because there's a lot of really good episodes of the original Star Trek mm-hmm. that easily could have had, like, sequels, especially like with a with a film's budget. Yeah. But I want to say like really if I'm looking through all that and you just see a character that you're like who who do we need to like put up on like whose charisma and personality is so large it fills up the entirety of that screen. And mind you, in this film Kirk and Khan never actually share like a scene together. Like they're looking at each other through view screens. But, like, there, there's no actual physical confrontation between the two of them. Like, mm-hmm. it's really just Shatner, Shatner reacting, which I, I, don't, I don't know a better way to put that, but if you've ever seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and just Khan is just, like, I mean, he's, he's spinal tap. He is just putting it on to 12. And by the way, he was 60. Making Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna look like that when I'm sixty. I'm not gonna look like that when I'm forty. Like <laughs> everything about him is gold. And and, uh, and Nicholas, like the the dialogue that he has given right. to chew on, just the at hell's heart, I stab. And at it thee. just so happens he's in the middle of Fantasy Island, which is still running. So that is very popular. Unfortunately, it didn't stay as cool as the first year, but I digress. But it had like four or five years of. Popularity, uh, first it was The Love Boat, and then it was Fantasy Island. Friday nights at my house, because I didn't go out ever. <laughs> so m- maybe maybe see uh, The Wrath of Khan? Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, maybe do yeah. that. So that was important. Um, so he's, he's box office because people are interested in, in that TV show is making a lot of money anyway. So they put him in there, and the story of Space Seed is actually quite fascinating you have these genetically altered people, which oh, they do stuff like that. They they have the technology, except they're not really doing it. The the one snafu that comes into it, especially around the year that I get to view this film, um, they they take over the planet, and I, I believe cause World War Three in the year nineteen ninety two. 
Um, oh, yeah, I forgot that part. It, yeah. It's real. That must have just went under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, because I don't remember that. And we certainly don't talk about it. But, like, it, like. Yeah, that it, didn't happen. It's a couple of years removed. And, like, I, I, I like how. Star Trek still refers to Khan. Like, I guess all of that still happened. And I mean, mm-hmm. mind you, Space Seed is shot in the 60s. So, like, that's the far off future. Yeah. But by, by the time, you know, you're watching this on DVD and VHS or like whatever, and they're just like, ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, whenever the, uh, the augments took over in 1992. And I'm like, wait, what? Hmm. Hold on. Let me, that. let me bring up my microfiche. But um, what? What? <laughs> I'm going to go to the card catalog. (laughs) No World War III. What I found great about that story was if you were going to do that, if you were a scientist and you wanted to help humanity, that is just what you would do. You do want people to be healthier. You want them to be smarter. Why not? Hey, let's be stronger. In theory, all of this is good on on paper i guess at right. the very least and so that's what i think made the story so compelling cuz it's like why wouldn't i you understand where they're coming from it wasn't you know oh and she looks like bones's ex love and it's a salt monster oh. now instead it was something realistic sort of well believable we're going to we're going to finger quotes that realistic. realistic but i get it, what you're saying yeah and it had it had more to it because then they t- they take one of the crew, one of the hot women that I'm sure, I'm sure Kirk went after, but instead she goes for Khan and they leave to the Botany Bay. Botany Bay. The Botany Bay. And so the story of which, Wrath of Khan which is... Which Chekhov's pronunciation <laughs> of is, I, it's almost as classic as Shatner screaming Khan like... Botany Bay. Botany Bay. <laughs> and by the way, a little note: uh, Chekhov was not in the episode of Space Even though he he definitely says that he remembers him, but yeah, well, mm. well, okay. To be fair, Chekhov is introduced in the third season. Mm. It doesn't explicitly state that he is a a new recruit or he is no. a a new transfer. So he could have been there, and I'm sure whenever like he takes over the Enterprise, he would remember that. But yeah. Pavel Chekhov was not a a supporting character on Star Trek at the point that Space Seed uh, was filmed. Yeah. So te- technically, this is true. Um, but, but we're willing to overlook it because we like the way he says Botany Bay. Botany Bay. So the story is you've got this this dumpster fire of the first movie, and then they take something that people recognize – they add in a villain that people recognize. Um, they've got a lot of great 80s hair, a lot of hairless chests. Lots happening for the men. A lot is happening. Uh, and actually, the women kind of look like solid gold dancers, you know? I think you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. So that's going on. And you have what's most important to the stories, and it's the interplay of the characters. And it's the... The friendship between Kirk and Spock. That's, I mean, that's it. really, it, it's the it's kind of the antithesis, like just the central like thrust of like the entire thing. Like, spoiler, like, and this film is two years younger than me, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and say if you haven't seen Wrath of Khan yet, 
And, well, actually, if you've seen the title of any of the Star Trek movies, uh, Spock dies mm-hmm. at the end of this film. And like it, Ugh. even even with the knowledge that Spock does not remain dead, this scene between Shatner Every and time. Nimoy. Oh, my. Like, it still hits. Every time. Like, Leonard Nimoy, I don't think, ever got the respect that he probably deserved mm-hmm. as as an actor. I and, agree. like, he really just nails it. And Shatner, who is not someone that is known for subtlety. No. Matter of fact, if, if there was, like, uh, if there was hy- hyperbole, if you had a picture in the dictionary... William Shatner is probably right there beside it. Kind of deftly plays this scene mm-hmm. quietly, almost like let's let's Nimoy kind of quiet. Like there's just a quiet intensity to the un- entire thing, and Shatner is not. And like I, I know I'm picking on him, but like, but I love him, and I, you do too. And you, well, you, you guys have breathed the same air. We have been in the same room it's a very large room it's almost like you're in his family i like to pretend that he's my surrogate father see but he doesn't know that no but still actually in reading the books that he wrote just about his life not the mystery books the tech war stuff right. but uh my husband read them first and then he'd pass them on to me and i'd read them and he'd go you're gonna find something familiar in these books he's like oh huh he's just like me huh that. <laughs> no wonder I like him so much. We think exactly the same way. And oh, it's just so good. You're listening to Parental Guidance Suggested, brought to you by Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry, Jane Ellen and Adam Cravens, this time talking about not what's in the theater, but what you should be seeing. And we're discussing one of our favorite movies, always in our top 10, Star Trek Part 2. No, Star nope. Trek 2. Nope, that's Hot Shots. Wrath of Khan. Which is, <sighs> I mean, and honestly, most of your best Star Trek films even echo a lot of like when mm-hmm. when the Next Generation got its sequel to what was re- like Generations was a lackluster film. Mm-hmm. Like for to have like the destruction of the Enterprise D, to have like Captain Picard and Captain Kirk meeting, to have like the the maiden voyage of the Enterprise B, like all of this sounds really good. But I'll tell you that film is just not exciting. No, like, it's just like an extended episode. If you take William Shatner out of that, it's not even that great of like a two-part episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only thing significant about it is the fact that Kirk is in it. If you put any other captain into it, like the story, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, right. But when they get their sequel, and I, I'm, I'm sure somebody just sat down and went, hey, you know what Star Trek movie did work? Rathicon. They're like, what's our best? Like, they they basically just take the formula and sh- extrapolate it mm-hmm. for the next generation, and they even take a page from the the later Star Treks in that they got the first officer to direct it, and they get Jonathan. Like, basically, first contact is just TNG's version of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you have two personal like Data and Picard. I like, have to say right? that's the best of all the Next Generation movies, wouldn't you say? First Contact, yeah. undoubtedly. Yeah, it's not Insurrection. It's definitely not Generations, <laughs> it's not. and it's not it's not Nemesis. Like, and I'm out. Like that's yeah. that's all. <laughs> I'm just saying. First First Contact is easily the best of the t- the the Next Generation films. Mm-hmm. And Wrath of Khan is important on so many levels. It not only 
made the Star Trek fans happy, it's still worth watching today. And it makes non-Star Trek fans shut their gobs because it holds up as a solid movie. Whether you know anything about Star Trek or like science fiction, the story is good. Well, and it almost plays like a a naval like war film, mm-hmm. like it, it like it's two battling submarines. This could be if, a submarine. You're right. If you if you take out all of the the science fiction and the space and like the the one. augments and all that, like but it it, it could be like a follow up to Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the, the film itself works. If you've never watched episode one, if you haven't even seen Space Seed, which I hadn't at the point. That mm-hmm. I watched Wrath of Khan. Like you don't they tell yeah, you, you didn't have everything to. and they don't do it in like a really like narrate way or like just an info dump. Like it, it's pretty natural the way they kind of explain to you like, this is what happened in that episode. And here. Like you you don't it, it really doesn't take away from the film if you have not seen that. Like if you drop in and try to watch like two ta- Lord of the Rings Two Towers, you're probably yeah. just gonna be like, wait a minute, why are why are they at this mountain and why is that man trying to steal his jewelry? So like, there's a what lot is, of walking What here. is going on? Uh-huh. But, like, Wrath of Khan, as much as it's a follow-up to, like, the motion picture, as much as it's a follow-up to the television series, a specific, specific episode of it, you don't have to have seen any of that. And the characters are so well-defined, you don't have to, you know, know who James Kirk is no. or or any of that to, like I said, really enjoy the film. Um... There's a part of me that wants to say that I want to make sure I have my years correct using this tiny computer. 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 That's the best. Well, and <laughs> Nicholas Meyer, the guy that directed and wrote uh, Star Trek II, if you you will also notice the best of the the original series Star Trek movies he is involved in. He writes and directs. Well, he he. I, I don't think he he was the sole writer, but he directs. Uh, Voyage or not Voyage Home, Undiscovered Country. He has nothing to do with Star Trek Five, which is a dumpster fire. Um, Star Trek Four. He was also involved in writing that. Like all of the the best that the original series had to offer, is he he is the guy kind of I guess that's focusing it however you want to look at it Mm -hmm. and like he's not even somebody that going into it was just like i love star trek like he was just a director and a writer and he's like yeah okay i can do this and he looks at and essentially that's what he said he's like this plays a lot like horatio hornblower blower in space Mm -hmm. like that's what this needs to be which was gene roddenberry's kind of that's what inspired him blueprint to do it like so th- the fact that he looks at it and sees that without and I, I'm I'm reasonably certain he and Roddenberry didn't have that conversation the two he just saw it and he's like this is what that is mm-hmm. it probably also is one of the things that makes that work so well and I, I had to double check my dates and actually it's not how I played out in, in my head Star Wars the second Star Wars film the one that counts that is two years before Wrath of Khan, but they are similar in how they end. They're similar where a character you love is now taken out of the picture, but you know they're going to be back in the picture, but you don't know how. Well, the at at the point that both of those films, and if, if you don't, Empire Strikes Back is what she's referring to, Han Solo 
is kind of dead Yeah, at, at the end of that film. And Leonard Nimoy, or, or Spock, like, I mean, they give him, you know, the, 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 the burial. Well, it's mm-hmm. not a burial. They fire him into the... But he goes to the Genesis planet. But I'm saying, like, both of, both of those actors had kind of indicated that they may be done with those mm-hmm. characters. So, in a way, and like I said, we, we have the, the... Emotionally, we have, struck a chord. And we have the ability of hindsight to go back and just go, well, they weren't done. Yeah. But at that point... Like, there was a very uncertain future for two characters. Like, however much, like, the the captains get most of the attention in Star Trek, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that Spock is probably the most well-known oh, Star Trek. Oh, to be. I, I mean, am, am I out of line? In no, I think it has to be Spock. So, and as much as Han I mean, Solo... He wrote that children's book. He also wrote a book that said, I am Spock. Also mm-hmm. wrote another book that said, I am not Spock. Mm. So he seems confused about that. He's a um, doctor. Yeah, my, well, my parents had the Dr. Spock book in the house. I thought that was awesome. I don't think that's the same Spock. I found that out when I pulled it off the shelf. I said, what? Spock? Mr. Spock? Why oh, does he know about this child mean, rearing? This is strange. This is not what I thought it would be. But uh, Harrison Ford, as much as he is not a Jedi, I would also argue that Han Solo is probably the best known mm-hmm. st- star wars character i, I mean and, and i'm not saying any disrespect to vader or luke right, but you can make a lot of similarities between the like, what those characters serve in the stories yeah like you can you could ask my, my grandma knew who han solo was and like she doesn't know anything about jedis or midichlorians or like light speed but she can, she can be like, oh, yeah, that's... She that's no Harrison, time for that mumbo-jumbo. That's Harrison Ford. I know him. And he is fine. She... I'm not comfortable... She was, she I'm not was comfortable thinking that, thinking that but it, it's a possibility. I'm... That's how it's, come she knew who he was. We're going we're gonna to move on to the next part of this. Because <laughs> really, how old was she in the 80s? Let's see. I mean, she, she would probably have been in her, I think, late, late 40s, 50s. Yeah. Like yeah. She thought he was... Fine. No. So she's, that's why she's she not knew wrong. who he was. No, she's not she's wrong. Not. <laughs> I, I'm attracted to Han Solo. I'm not afraid to say it. She might have thought all sorts of things nope, about him. No, no, <laughs> no. Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. That's you were saying. About. You were saying. Anyway, uh, what this film did was it made a blueprint for all, not just for science fiction films, but it reminded people what's important in a movie. And what often gets lost in sci-fi fantasy. Sci-fi fantasy can be so fun with things blowing up. We're going to beam over here. But if there's no story, it's still a suck fest. Well, I mean, it just, it it ends up being hollow. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, we're talking about this film and it is almost 40 years removed from its original release at this point. If you... If you want to be able to go beyond your like video release date, mm-hmm. like you're going to have to speak to like themes. I mean, or you're just going to have to make something exceptional. And what they did instead of spending all that money on those stupid special effects from the first one, like really the the thing that should have been upfront and what is upfront in most of the original series episodes is the interplay with the characters. And it's still quotable to this day. I say he tasks me. Oh. Because it's awesome. Speaking of pr- pronunciations that are memorable, <laughs> everything that Khan says in that movie is is just fantastic. Yes. Much like 
in Star Trek VI. Everything the captain from The Sound of Music says. Oh, like, man, I, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say that Christopher Plummer's um, Chang is a better villain than Khan. But wow. Yeah. Chris Plummer, at, at like when he, when he is screaming Shakespeare in a Klingon bird of prey while he is fighting the Enterprise, like it's, it's operatic. It's like beautiful. it's just cry havoc <laughs> and let's slip the dogs. I'm like, you, you can't help but get excited. And if you, if for some reason you can't get your hands on a copy of Star Trek Two, but you do have a Star Trek Six readily available, they're infinitely watchable. Oh, and absolutely. Christopher Plummer, while not Khan, and that's no disrespect for him, his General Chang is incredible. And probably, in as much as Star Trek Six is the second best Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. he's probably the second best Star Trek villain. Yeah, I, absolutely. I say that with all respect to the Borg Queen yeah, or yeah. whatever was happening in Star Trek Five, or yeah, yeah. pollution in Star Trek Four, <laughs> or <laughs> now Star Trek Four has a place in my heart, but it doesn't have a memorable villain. I mean, um, I, I yeah, pollution. What is it? I mean, it's pollution or the 1980s is really the villain of that movie. But Star Trek Four was the trouble with Tribbles. In delight in movie form, it was just a delight. There, there really, there's another film that you don't have to be a Star Trek no. fan, or you don't really even have to have seen the previous Star Trek movie to understand. Like basically, they're just like, oh yeah, the future, future bad, and we have to bring whales to the future. Okay, that's that's all you need to know for that movie. <laughs> it, it's not as like you know dramatic. It's definitely quotable, but the film's hysterical. Yeah, it's. Oh, and I remember seeing it on Christmas night with my friend Chris Bonner and the rest of my family. Well, not my parents. They weren't interested, but my sisters. We all went to see Star Trek Four, and, and it, was, it was awesome. But we're talking about Wrath of Khan, and uh, there's another part of it that was also genius. It was bringing in another character from another, maybe one or two Star Treks, and that was... A, a long-lost love of Captain Kirk's. Now, mind you, how many were there? And i got to put it out there. He only had one kid he didn't know about? I think All right. not. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there. They only have one that they put in canon that Kirk didn't know about. Right. But I'm going to go ahead and say, like, on his five-year mission, Yeah. Th- there's, like, there's a lot. There's no problem believing that... The Kirk bloodline is not um, living on. Now, again, uh, the actor has passed, and I don't want to say bad things about him, but I was always bugged by who they chose to be Kirk's son because he was in the TV show Square Pegs, and that's all I could see every time. That's all I could hear every time he opened his mouth. And he just didn't strike me as being believable as Captain Kirk's son. You know what I mean? I I did not see the through line like either. Um, I I I don't know who I would have cast in that role, but I he definitely did not speak. Um, to sh- like I didn't I did not see the DNA. Of yeah, 
of Captain Kirk or William Shatner. Right. Like, and I'm that. not saying now, that he's Carol did it wrong. Marcus. Yeah. Carol Marcus in that film. Like I understand, like she is charismatic. She's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I can I I can draw a line to be like, okay, that's that's why Kirk was drawn to this character. I understand that. But like The I, kid was just I'm just like, wow, you're you're uh you're kind of white, annoying. You're white toast. You are vanilla, not dipped in chocolate. Um, and you, with parents like that who were both committed to things, he's just kind of there. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Dude, and you just you know. I mean, again, again not, no. not that I'm. I'm not dumping on this movie. No, like, we love this movie, but. But if there's one thing that will kind of stick out at me, it's like, yeah, that just never sat right. And it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just kind of like, oh, I just, it would have been one of those situations where you go in for an audition and you didn't get it just because you didn't look right. Just because like, I don't see work here. Now, to be fair, William Shatner is very unique. Yes. And like, even when Chris Pine played, played Captain Kirk Beautiful. in the... The J.J. Abrams, he's still he's he's doing his own version of like bravado and Mm -hmm. cockiness and charisma, because like I'm going to go ahead and say like trying to emulate William Shatner without looking stupid or just making a joke. Yeah. Like, I mean, Shatner is really the only one that is able to to do that Mm -hmm. and like do it, do it well and doing it convincing. And, and like I said, I do. A lot of people will give junk to the J.J. Abrams Star, Star Trek movies. I don't know why. I love them. I I, I I rather enjoy them as well. And I I specifically love Chris Pine. And that, yeah. And, and this was a role that when they announced it, I was just like, leave it alone. What are you doing? Yeah. But Chris Pine is, you know, he he he's handsome, charismatic. Like he's interesting. And handsome. Well, I mean, yes. I, but yeah, I, I enjoy the J.J. Abrams very much, and I enjoy the lens flare a lot. As a matter of fact, if I don't see lens flare, it's like, oh, man, J.J. left it out. It's that's, just, that's how you know he didn't direct the third one. You're just I like, know. Where, where are all the lens flares? I mean, flares? It's, just, it's just like, it, it's just like you know, it smells of home cooking. You know? Oh, lens really flare, J.J. Oh, fine. J.J.'s here. I know, and it's a, like a running joke with me and 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 my spouse. It's like, oh, J.J. Abrams direct this. <laughs> well, I mean, like it's it's not really funny, but it amuses us, and uh, I enjoy I mean, them. Some, you know, Spielberg likes to have things that you know chase around humans, or he he likes you know childlike wonder. J.J. Abrams likes lens flares. Yeah, it happens. Now with the J.J. Abrams reboot. Which I am still waiting for another one, guys. But I guess no one's making a movie right now. I uh, digress. No, really, really, no one is. Yeah, no one is. Uh, I'm still holding Timothy Oliphant to his declaration that he'll just keep doing that TV show on his own at his house. Now's the time. It really is. Like, seriously, Tim. Speaking of somebody else that probably could have played yeah, the captain. Yeah, he could have done. Yeah, yeah. The captain. Well, I'm not even or saying he, Kirk. Or he could have been Kirk's son. I would have oh. cast Timothy Oliphant if yeah. for, if I could somehow. Well, I'll just use the Klingon bird of prey they use in Voyage Home mm-hmm. to take him. That's right, back Jensen Ackles. If he'd been the right age for that, yeah, I'll just slingshot him around the sun. That's mm-hmm. all you have I to totally do. Totally see that. I don't know why they didn't go back and correct more things. I don't know. I mean, if at the point that you have the calculation for time travel, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand. There's lots of reasons why you shouldn't, but I'm just saying, like. As much as Kirk liked to violate the Prime Directive... He did that a lot. And, and I, I believe they even 
mention it in the the court scenes and sir who who who, who, who disobeyed the prime directive whatever suited him <laughs> like, I, i'm just going and saying yeah, like, we would have done the same thing at the point that that guy has the ability to time travel do you not think there's some stuff that happened between like four and six and maybe after six before generations that he's like hey hey bones spock you know what we should do or diddy but like spock's like we're not gonna do that and i just this is probably the only chance i'll get to ever mention this episode but i also wanted to see them bring back the character that terry gar played which was actually a black cat and she was hanging around that future guy whose name i forgot but terry gar was a cat Remember that? And that was supposed to be a spinoff of some sort of spacey thing? Gary Seven. Gary Seven, yes. Yeah. yeah. I loved that episode. It's like, when are they going to do Gary Seven? And Gary Seven never took off. Bring Gary, JJ, Gary Seven us. I think it's it's like Operation Earth yes. or something like that is the episode. I freaking loved that. There was a comic book series that continued it. And really? I did read that. Yeah. Gary Seven is a, it's a. It re- honest to goodness, if you will watch that episode, and I understand that we have diverged we hardcore have. from Star Trek Two, but, but that's if you kind of a standalone, if you have ever listened to this podcast, yeah. it was going to happen. Um, Gary, it would have made a really interesting television show, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of sad that we never got like even yes. even half a season or like a mid season replacement or, of it or anything. Like, and really. I I think that would be a great character to bring into the next star trek star trek well jj's involved in both i know i almost said wars but you see i go evenly between the two listen i again if they they dump on force awakens and rise of skywalker like i like jj's star wars movies i like his star trek movies um i really like jj abrams movies period Mm -hmm. like i like his tv shows like the the guy is just he's a he is a talented like producer of entertainment. Yeah. And to tie it back into what we started talking about, when he does a sequel to Star Trek 2009, guess what character he decides needs to be revisited? Yes, and that's where I was headed and then forgot. Who who else could be a great con but Sherlock Holmes? Good old good old Benedict Apparently, that you have to have an unusual name yes. in order to play a con. And it was just, uh, I enjoyed it. And when I first heard about it, I went, ah, Wrath the Cons, it's the most perfect movie. You know, that's going on in my head. Or you and I probably had that conversation. That's that's more likely. I, I still don't think, like, Into Darkness is not superior to Wrath of Khan. No. But, like, I will, I will take Benedict Cumberbatch's interpretation Anything. of whatever... Any day, if he decides he needs to tackle Save by the Bells, Screech, I'm in. Who I was, think... by the way, almost Stephen Colbert. He was. He auditioned for that, and uh, he obviously did not get it. Man, that that really changes that dynamic. Man, and I'm, yeah, and this is from somebody that's seen every episode of Save by the Bell. Stephen I, Colbert it's... auditioned for it. <laughs> now, now every time i watch saved by the bell which is probably more than a 39 year old man should mm-hmm. um i'm going to just sit there and be like what would this scene have been like ah surreal so in conclusion if you haven't seen star trek 2 wrath of khan you're missing out on a fine fine film 
if, if if for some reason you can only pick a single one of the thirteen Star Trek movies in existence, and I'm, they're not all gems, kids. No, I'm going to let you know that right now. Star Trek Two is the one that you must watch. And if you don't like that, if it does not engage you in some way, there's there's not a lot that the other others are going to offer you. Right. Uh, like if this doesn't hook you, I'm just saying like this really is like it, as far as like any of the the auxiliary media, like any of the other films, any of the TV shows, any of the, uh, the all of Star Trek. Yes, this, this is the shining star atop all of Star Trek. If this does not engage you, you need to just engage. hit skip. Like <laughs> the, this is as good as it gets. And if you don't think it's good, like. Star Trek Six isn't going to win you over. No. First Contact isn't going to win you over. Like Nemesis, Vo- sure any isn't. episode of Voyager is not going to win you over. Um, maybe the Enterprise theme song. It's been a long, long time. time. Like that's going to win you over because <laughs> how can't it? <laughs> so but but like that that has nothing to do with Star Trek Two. Um, Ra- Wrath of Khan really is just it, it's the best that Star Trek has to offer. Yes. It, it is Star Trek firing on all cylinders, both warp nacelles, mm-hmm. if you will. It is Star Trek with all of its dilithium crystals. I think I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, so you really need to see it. And um, if you don't, we just we won't be talking to you for a great deal at, of time. At, at hell's heart, I stab at thee. Exactly. If, if you don't. That's all we got to say. And if you haven't seen the film, you don't get that reference. Or if you haven't no. read Moby Dick. But, um, you know. Psh, you but you've probably, you've probably stopped listening at that point. Yeah, I think probably. Yeah, They're just much. like, I don't know what they're talking about. <sighs> what a shame. You know, they don't usually quote um, Klingon opera or things like that in Star Trek. No, but they... I've, Could you imagine if that's what Khan had said? <laughs> just something in Klingon? <laughs> it would be very threatening. <laughs> it would and, be. and definitely like over the top. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, obviously our favorite Star Trek of all the Star Treks. And yes, we could continue to talk about it, but we're not going to, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, we'll continue talking about it and not recording it. Yeah, but we will continue to talk about yeah, there, it. There's, there's like a 37-hour podcast yes. of just us <laughs> over, over the entirety of like the time we've known each other. Just being like, so... Did you understand? Come on. Now, have you shown it to your children? Um, I I actually started the. I've been watching uh, Picard, mm-hmm. and like the kids will wander into the room and just be like, "What's up?" And but like my uh, my gamer tag on the Xbox is Captain Riker, mm-hmm. and it's funny because like they're start. They heard somebody refer to it, and they go, "Wait!" They go, "His name is Captain Riker too," and I really? go, "Really." He must have stolen it. And I go, <laughs> that's where I got the name. And they're like, oh, like, yeah. it, it's just, it was funny to watch them connect all this stuff that has been around them. And they're like, that's where that comes from. But th- they had seen that. And like, they're, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't watched Picard, like the Borg end up showing up in mm-hmm. their Romulans. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed the thing, but the kids started getting interested with that, and they're like, "Did the Borg show up anywhere else?" And I'm just like, <laughs> "Now you see, you you may be surprised, because uh, I have two children, and Adam has 85, and 
you'd think they would already know all of the Star Treks, but I was afraid that I was so excited about Star Trek and wanting my kids to love it that they would become kids and go, I'm not going to like that. Yeah, mom and dad like it. It's not cool. So I've just kind of eased them into it. They totally embraced the J.J. Abrams because Chris Pine. Yeah. (laughs) There's that. But they like those. And I know I've I've shown them Wrath of Khan, and I know there was tearage. How could there not be? Honestly, I can I usually can't get through it anyway. The movie's so good. So they have seen that one. They have not seen six. I certainly haven't shown them the first one. I listen. I don't even watch the first. No. Like I, I I watched it when I bought the the VHS box set, and I like it was just. It really is a chore to get through. And yeah. it, this is from somebody that, like, loves Star Trek. Like, So they, I think they need to see it several more times. And this quarantine, I believe, is a fine opportunity. I mean, that's, at a minimum, you're looking at, like, you know, 26 hours for just the films. Yeah. And And by the way, if they need it and they don't have access to, like, CBS All Access, I do have the DVDs of literally... Everything and some and of the Blu-ray. Captain Picard, uh, Jean-Luc, uh, no, his actual name, Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Because of him, uh, you can get CBS All Access for free if you sign up by the twenty-third. And I'm saying, like, it's only like free for a month. And it's not like any of y'all are doing anything. Nope. So, like, go ahead and just binge Discovery season one and two and Picard. You'll be caught up for whenever they can finally film Discovery season three. And they're talking about the Section 31 series. Oh, they're yeah. talking about a Pike series. Oh. With, yeah. And and now they're talking about a Captain Riker series. Ooh. Like, apparently, there was very positive reaction to him in uh, his appearance doing, in Picard. Oh, I love And, I, th- like, they were just... Somebody was pointing up there. They're like, well, should they do a Captain Pike or a Captain Riker? And I'm just like, why can't you do both? Kids. I love how they had Pike's number one, like in the original series, like just this this classic no 60s hotness yeah. with the hair and everything. It's, oh, love. What's well, it like Anson Mount? Like, and again, this is from somebody that just adores Star Trek. Probably one, one of my favorite captains. And like, I, I'm just saying like in the short amount of time, because he he's not even the captain for like both seasons. He he starts in the second season like for the limited amount of screen time that mm-hmm. this guy has like really made a tremendous impact on a character that has already been played and popularized in the films like in the classic episode uh like the menagerie like mm-hmm. not not a character that like he was the first to it but he definitely put his stamp on that thing in a very, like, spectacular way. Yeah. Love it. But what we're trying to say is, watch Star Trek Two. get back to us. We'll be happy to discuss it with you for several more hours. Thank you for listening to Parental Guidance Suggested. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. You've been listening to Parental Guidance Suggested. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.